Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equip You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, I wanted to share a a recent interview. I was recently interviewed by my friend and brother in Christ, Dave Van Beber, who's also been on this show, and he writes for us as Servants of Grace. So if you've never read his articles, they are very helpful. And so he is a professor at uh, Spurgeon College, and he interviewed me today on Christian engagement in the media And we ended up having a very wide-ranging conversation about dealing with false teachers in the media and so much more. I think that this is a conversation that, that will help you no matter where you're at in your life, no matter where you're at, what, what your station is, whether you're a stay at home mom or you're a pastor or you are a professor or wherever you're at in, in your, you know, vocation. I think that this conversation will equip you and it will uh, help you to grow. And so I hope that today's episode is really helpful to that end. And now Dave uh, is going to uh, guide the rest of the conversation as he interviews me for his students at Spurgeon College for his public speaking class. Well, hey, students, I'm so glad that I'm able to sit down with a friend of mine, Dave Jenkins, and Dave is going to tell us just a little bit about himself, but we're excited to hear from him today as we talk a little bit about how we should interact with the media and how that impacts our public speaking. So, Dave, welcome to class today. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. It's a great privilege. Uh, And students, you're blessed to have a teacher like Dave. He's a great friend and, and brother in Christ. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate that. Dave and Dave. <laughs> well, <laughs> Two Daves. What, what could go wrong here? <laughs> Mr. Jenkins, uh, tell cl- uh, my class, if you would, just a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, that'll help build a good case for why I've invited you in uh, to our online course. Yes. Well, my name is Dave Jenkins. I'm uh, First of all, I'm a Christian. I'm saved by the grace of God. The Lord saved me at the age of five. Um, and uh, just continuing to grow in the grace of God. At the age of 19, I started a ministry called Servants of Grace, and that ministry grew from um, being in an online forum to now being a a multimedia ministry that reaches um, nearly every country uh, on our planet. And by God's grace alone, we're making disciples who make disciples through um, audio, through video, through articles, through our magazine, and we have lots of other things coming. Um, so lots lots and lots of content for a lot of years. I, I'm happily married to my beautiful wife, Sarah. Uh, we've been married almost 17 years coming up in February. And without her and obviously the grace of God, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Um, she is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Uh, Sarah, I could talk about this to her the whole time, but... Um, she is a, is uh, serves as our managing editor for Servants of Grace, the managing editor for our magazine Theology for Life. Um, she does uh, all the graphics and design work, and uh, so uh, that's a little bit about that. Um, I also uh, have a couple of podcasts. Maybe you're familiar with one of them, but Clipping and Grace, where I interview uh, leading Reformed and evangelical authors, theologians, thinkers, and such. And uh, here soon, uh, by the time this airs, we're going to be launching another ministry called Contending for the Word that's going to really be speaking to a lot of issues inside the church and outside of the church. And uh, I'm also an author of the word Explored, the Problem of Biblical Literacy and What to Do About It. And uh, that Costi Hinn, my brother in Christ and friend, um, graciously wrote the forward for and then uh, G3 Press, which is part of G3 Ministries, they graciously published the Word Matters. The, um, it's it's on biblical authority, and Josh Bice, the uh, president of G3, um, graciously wrote the forward to it. And uh, I, the teenage me wants to pinch myself, but Dr. John Frame, 
who I've been reading as a teenager, uh, wrote my friend Dave has written an excellent book on biblical authority, which if you know anything about Dr. Frame, um, he is one of the greatest theologians of the late uh, 20th, early 21st century. And so that was, uh, teenage me was uh, very uh, blessed by, would have been hysterical and jumping up and down by that. But, um, you know, Joe, Joe Beakey has become a dear brother to me and friend, and he has uh, also endorsed that book. And so I was very blessed by that. And um, also, you know, you were so kind to have me on your show. And so I've also now been on um, national media, uh, Moody Radio, several of their radio shows. Um, I'm a regular contributor to a variety of YouTube channels and, and shows, you know, by God's grace. Um, and so I've written uh, uh, not only so not only do I contribute in the media, but I've also written articles for years uh, since about 2010. Um, I've contributed to Blue Letter Bible. Uh, Modern Reformation, Reformation 21, uh, Christianity.com, uh, Bible Study Tools, Crosswalk.com, Christian Headlines, um, you know, uh, for, for the church. Uh, I've been on For the Gospel as well on the with Costi's podcast. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I, I have written over 350 published reviews. So um, whether whether through writing, through articles, and uh, oh, also the local church, I, I do pulpit supply throughout Southern Oregon. I've been involved in men's ministry, in teaching, preaching, and counseling people um, since the early 2000s. And so, you know, it's not only just in the church, but outside the church. I've worked uh, in social media, um, publishing. I've been a literary agent. I've, I've been in not only in ministry, but in the publishing arena and social media. Um, so, you know, hopefully that's helpful. Man, Dave, I'm so glad that you shared all those things. And I think that that's a really great piece because you demonstrate that as a Christian, your engagement with various mediums of the media is um, exceptionally vast, from podcasting to YouTube to uh, syndicated radio to blog articles to publications, uh, physical and digital. You have a vast um, array of experiences. You've sat on both sides of the table as a contributor, as an editor, as a reviewer, and so you were just perfect for this full scope concept of how Christians are to deal with the media. So let me just begin with, uh, I think it's a pretty good question that uh, I think get right to the heart of the matter rather promptly. And it is, um, could you tell me as a professor of a communication public speaking course for my students, why is it important for them sitting there today in a public speaking course to have a game plan for dealing with the media in general? And I'm talking about the wide variety of media here. Yeah, and that's a that's a good way to to phrase it because you know when you think of I think when we think of that question, what is media? You know, my wife and I were talking, and she's like, "You want to make sure that you explain." Um, what media is, and I asked you, what do you, how do you define media? And yeah. my thought, my thought was, you know, articles, podcasts, you know, news sources, so digital media, and then you know what we call traditional media, you know, your TV outlets, your radio, etc. So all of it matters. Um, yeah. and we're we're going to talk about that today, but just a biblical case, First Peter three fifteen tells us to give an answer for the reason for the hope that we have, and to do it with gentleness and respect. And I always point out when I cite that verse that gentleness, if we remember in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, those are where the fruits of the Spirit is, uh, are and those things that the Spirit is producing. One of those things is highlighted in 1 Peter three fifteen, namely gentleness. Um, and so that's really important. Jude 3 tells us to contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints in Acts 4 and 5. We see, you know, the apostles John and Peter engaging in the public square, sharing Christ. Um, in Acts 17, 16 through 34, we see Paul engaging in the public square. You know, so the point is, is every single person in our world today through whether it's on mobile phones or on our laptop or a desktop computer or an iPad or a tablet, we're all engaging on social media. 
uh, whether you have a podcast or a YouTube or you're on television or whatever, you know, social media now lets us participate in media through sharing our thoughts on a variety of topics. You know, blogs and podcasts, they allow us to be contributors and to engage ongoing discussions about what's happening in our world. And so every Christian needs to heed 1 Peter 3.15, Jude 3, follow the model that Paul set forth in Acts 17, 16-34, by standing fast on the word, by understanding something of the worldviews, uh, issues underpinning the issues of our day. And this is really important because, as we'll talk about in just a little bit, our character is to inform our witness. It's not our witness informing our character that you read a passage like Colossians 3, and I mentioned Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and those passages are talking about our character, and then we go out, we're being formed and shaped, as we'll see by the word, and then we're going out into the world, um, and so character really matters, and so if we get that wrong and focus on our witness first and what we're to do, we're going to either burn out, we're going to crash and burn, or we're going to have some moral or ethical or spiritual failure. Um, we need uh, accountability, and that's what the local church does. It gives us accountability. It gives us help to deal with difficult situations and circumstances and to get the care and the help that we need as we go out into uh, social media so that we're not – um, overly brash and aggressive or passive aggressive with other people. We're actually doing what the Bible says, um, not to mention scripture is very clear that every idle word will be held uh, accountable for every idle word out of our mouth. And so um, those are just uh, some brief thoughts. I could say a lot more, but hopefully that's yeah. helpful. I think you've made an excellent biblical case for why we should, as Christians, be prepared to not only navigate the complexities of our media-saturated environment, but use every opportunity to point things back to the gospel. And I think that that's oftentimes not our primary thought when we're dealing with media. You know, if I would have had this class um, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, probably 15 years ago, I think is about, yeah, we're right around that 15-year mark. So for social media itself as an existing entity, so 20 years ago. Uh, when you see maybe some of those early things, that question would have would have been responded to differently because we wouldn't have always had to be ready for the engagement on media in the same manner, right? Uh, so as I kind of extend that thought, my next piece would be regarding what you've just said. As we think about our need to be prepared, what are some of those really important elements of preparation when talking to media, both in the social media context or maybe even in the professional uh, vocational media realm? I think I think the first thing is, is foundational. I've alluded to it already in the previous answer. It's reading, studying, meditating, and memorizing on the Bible. Yeah. Uh, personally, that's the means of grace that God uses to help us to grow in godly character and then sitting under really you know, sound uh, preaching from a biblically qualified man. Um, in your local church. So hearing the word exposited verse by verse, line by line, week in and week out, you know, month after month, decade after decade really helps us to train our hearts, train our minds. And um, it equips us to go out into the world and to give good biblical and theological answers. Um, also, I think one thing that's also kind of neglected on that piece is getting engaged in a small group with other Christians where you can study the Bible, you can pray for one another, you can encourage one another is is really vital. Uh, these are the times you're being prepared to share the word with others. This is why in the book of Acts, for example, you see uh, Christians gathering together and then scattering uh, from where they were to their various vocations. So what I'm saying is Christians are first formed and shaped by the word in the context of the local church. And then we scatter to share Christ with the world and make disciples wherever the Lord has placed us. That's why um, the personal and corporate means are of grace are so vital. Uh, two other aspects I think are really critical in preparation with engaging to and engaging the media. One is reading good, solid uh, Christian books and theology outside of your reading the Bible. Now, Hear me when I say reading your Bible, absolutely critical. Reading scripture helps you to be grounded and shaped by the Bible, but 
reading good books, Christian books, helps you to understand what the church has taught following what uh, scripture teaches. Um, the Lord has given us teachers, Ephesians 4.11 says, that help us to learn to rightly handle the word of God as we see in 2 Timothy 2.15. By reading good Christian books, we can learn both what scripture teaches and what the church has taught. This is going to help us to engage, learn to understand and engage the issues that the church has faced, uh, that they're not new, especially in relation to, let's say, engaging Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. That Those issues were dealt with, we can see, at the Council of Nicaea and Chalcedon. So understanding not only scripture, but church history can help the Christian. And the last thing that I have to say on this question is that is to helping us understand the various ideologies, philosophies, and worldviews that are played out in our world. It's been said that we should read our Bibles and then read the newspaper, right? Maybe you've heard that. And the idea is, is that we need to know our Bibles, as I've discussed, but we also need to know what the newspaper is. And in our day, yes, there's still newspapers. You know, the New York Times is still the, the paper of a, a record in America. But, but we see the proliferation of digital media also through videos, podcasts, articles, and more. It's become easier than ever to become informed, but it equally has become easier than ever to be deceived. And so that's why, in case you're wondering, I started with this question, reading and studying scripture and being under sound expository preaching and doing life with God's people. That's going to help guard us as Christians from false doctrine and theology and learn that theology so that we can spot error and heresy. So as Christians, we need to understand scripture. We need to know church history, but we also need to understand what the world around us is saying while we never compromise on the word of God. We don't just engage culture to engage culture. We are to engage culture with the word of God. Uh, scripture gives us a biblical worldview and a way through which to see the world so that we can walk with the Lord and we can be salt and light uh, before a watching world. So I'm going to make a bit of an argument here. Uh, Go and for it. It is something that I could be wrong on, but I want to see if I'm tracking some of the things that you're saying and, and really putting them into application. Mm -hmm. We live in a climate that at one time, uh, a person who upholds a Christian worldview would be seen as a um, fairly common average individual. In other mm -hmm. words, while many in our culture 40 years ago, maybe they were not evangelicals and didn't have a Christian worldview, mm -hmm. but the way in which they thought about self thought about mm -hmm. the world around them, thought about mm -hmm. the messages in which they were communicating, was still very much grounded and rooted in a Judeo-Christian Judeo understanding of morality, of the world, and of self. Mm -hmm. That type of, what I would say would be a, almost a, a secular, sacred, connection, right? Yeah, I'm not a Christian, but I understand and respect and, and operate in that way. That has been more and more diminished and more and more polarized. Hmm. So when the Christian is speaking on any mediated platform, they're not at liberty or should be unable to separate themselves from their worldview. Their worldview will no longer be seen as neutral. And because that is the because that is the normal way of operating, we have to be more prepared than ever and grounded in our understanding of our worldview and specifically in the in the public square. Is that a is that a fairly decent summary of kind of some of the things that, that you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody is a theologian. Everybody has beliefs and convictions. The atheist has convictions. The Mormon has convictions. The Jehovah's Witness has convictions. The question is, is those convictions, do they take us back to the Bible or do they lay over the Bible a meaning that the Bible doesn't support? You know, what you do with the Bible always will reveal ultimately what you think about God and everything. So that's why, like you're saying, nobody is neutral uh, R.C. Sproul used to say, everybody is a theologian. The question is whether you're a good one or a bad one. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, everybody, everybody, 
even even the the news anchor what we need to know, understand when you're watching the news when you're watching somebody on youtube when you're listening to a podcast that person has a world view then behind that person's world view is their ideas about god their convictions about you know sexuality and gender and on and on they're they're espousing it you're doing the same thing as a student you're 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 in this you're at Spurgeon College and you're learning even or discovering even more and deepening your understanding perhaps of you know church history and theology and public speaking and you're being you know educated and 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 deepened and being poured into in this time of your life and and that's a good thing so that as you as you're going out you know from the school you're being prepared to think in a christian way so that you can see the world around you and you can engage in that world and you can speak to the issues see it's not just understanding the things that that are going on that that's good that's that's we're to love the lord with all of our minds jesus says and that's a command but what we forget is that that results in something it results in us you know, then going out and telling other people, not sitting on the sidelines, but going out. And what we see is <laughs> you can think of Calvin. Calvin was uh, John Calvin was, you know, that Protestant reformer and he got challenged. He all he wanted to do. Right, Dave. He wanted to sit on the sidelines. He wanted to write books and he wanted to, you know, uh, you know, do that kind of thing and read some books. And he got challenged. To, yeah. by 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 multiple times if you're not going to preach um you're going to be very unhappy is how the story <laughs> goes and uh sure enough you know the lord uh took didn't take him away from writing didn't take him away from reading but he he used calvin in a tremendous way um to influence the world around him um and, and through preaching through writing through corresponding with uh, christians all over the world and now we have the record of that um, over 500 years later with his commentaries, the institutes, and on and on. Um, and uh, that's the kind of thing that if you need an example to latch onto, that would be it. That would be probably one of the best ones. Okay. So what I think of as you're sharing these things is I do think of, of Spurgeon as well, by the way. Uh, yeah. He was active in talking to media outlets his impact for the gospel was in part due because he knew how to deal with the publications of his day and to put out information and what do we see in him always prepared mm. always reading always writing always speaking uh, so that causes me to think a little bit if we're going to be putting out that much content which we're not going to put out as much content as, as spurgeon by any means uh, no. There's some things that we probably need to make sure that we don't do. We've talked a lot about what we should do. What are some of those things that we sometimes forget uh, that we should avoid? <laughs> oh, jeez. Common <laughs> Yeah, there's so many things. I think the first thing that's a real temptation is, you know, you get watching, you know, your favorite news channel or your favorite news podcast, and you can make that the first and foremost priority. But you need to remember that they're providing you a worldview, the guests, the host, whatever, of that program or that news channel. The people that are behind that news channel and that podcast or whatever, they have a worldview. And so what are you going to be more shaped by? By their worldview or by the Bible, the word of God? Well, as a Christian, you are to be shaped and molded by Scripture. Uh, and you need to remember the point is, is that the media has a worldview. I, I mentioned earlier that R.C. Sproul said that everyone is a theologian. The question is whether you're a good one or a bad one. And equally so, as we're talking about, everyone has a worldview. The question is whether that worldview is biblical or not. That's mm -hmm. why in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, we're to test all things and to hold fast to what is good. In Acts 17.11, we see, and this was, they were getting teaching from the Apostle Paul himself. The Bereans were. And still the Bereans searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. We're to do the same. Um, in First Thessalonians, I think it's two, um, they received the word with gladness and joy. Um, so we're to be able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. Um, Hebrews uh, 5 or and 6 talk about that, um, that that's what the mature 
Christian is to do. They can, they are able to be discerning. They can discern between right and wrong. Um, the second thing is, as you're as you're engaging with in media, refuse to compromise. Refuse mm-hmm. to compromise. It is okay to read and to even watch the news, even if for research purposes only. Uh, to do that with false teachers, ideologies, etc., so that you can speak out to them. But I'm going to say something. If you're a new or you're an immature Christian, you need to be on guard. If you don't have a, and what I mean is, if you don't have a sound understanding and a solid grasp of scripture, of church history, of biblical and systematic theology, and you can exercise discernment, I would advise against uh, studying uh, f- uh, false teachers, ideologies, and movements. If you have a question about that, a great resource is your is your professor. Uh, Dave. So uh, I would I would say if you have a question about that, ask Dave. He'll be able to help you discern if you're ready for that or not, or your pastor can help you as well. Um, you know, there's plenty of helpful podcasts and YouTube channels to help you learn to engage false teachers and movements and ideologies. One of those you can find is Equip You in Grace, where I interview leading Reformed and evangelical theologians. Another one is Contending for the Word, our apologetics ministry at Servants of Grace. You can find both podcasts at our YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. But I want to advise you, uh, the main point here is to learn from the Word, to study Scripture. Uh, This is good advice for all of us. I'm on the front lines here. Um, I engage false ideologies, movements, philosophies that raise themselves against the knowledge of God. And it's taxing um, to do that. And that's why I'm I need to emphasize my own growth in the grace of God. I need to emphasize my own time in the Word of God under the preached Word of God. I need to emphasize and make it a priority to be in my own small group uh, where I can, you know, keep learning and being prayed for and cared for um, and and on and on. Uh, This helps me to continue to, even after being a Christian 35 plus years and in ministry 23, uh, to grow in my ability continue to grow my ability to rightly handle scripture. So no matter how well educated you are, and I am, it doesn't matter. You need the word. You need the local church. I need you. You need me. This is going to help us to stand fast on the word. And one other very large point that I want to make is fight the temptation towards pride. Mm -hmm. There There are many voices in the media today, and they're all bad. I want you to be a trustworthy voice. You can do that by being in the word yourself and growing in your knowledge and skill and and in good theology, as I, we've, we've been talking about today. Be a faithful church member. Be a faithful Christian friend. If you're married, be a faithful spouse. If you are a man, lead your family well by the grace of God. If you are a wife, love your husband. If you have children, love and raise them to have a biblical worldview and to be discerning. Be okay with not having any kind of influence in any kind of platform. Uh, Don't make it your aim to have a platform or influence. Learn to cultivate the fear of God, humility, and repentance before the Lord, and utilize the means of grace. Only then are you going to be an effective instrument before the Lord. There's so many temptations in speaking out in the public square, such as compromise, which that we're seeing that all over the place today. It's okay. Um, There's a real temptation uh, when you when you start to get a lot of encouragement from other people, uh, you start to crave it. I, I have been guilty of that. I have had to repent before the Lord, especially in my 20s um, for that. It, it's okay to be thankful for the encouragement that you get and to thank the person. You should do that. And then you should give glory to God. That honors the person made in the image of God who's encouraging you, and it honors the God who enabled them to, to give you that encouragement. Um, have a few trustworthy friends you can talk through things uh, like this, the encouragement that you're giving, the issues that you're facing, and on and on. Um, these things are hard. It's a lot to deal with. Um, about the, these kind of friends or the kind that you can be open and honest and transparent about what the Lord is doing in and through you. Uh, this can help you to rightly deal with encouragement, with criticism, and more so that you can grow. I have this in my life, and it's it's something that I, I need. I need it. It also helps me to continue to kill my sin, uh, to put it to death, to grow in humility, to display the fruits of the Spirit, to respond in a godly way to challenging situations and people. So last point here, 
focus on serving the Lord and focus on serving other people. Don't focus on, hey, I want to speak to this. Focus instead and think about this. As I'm engaging on social media, as I'm writing the articles, as I'm engaging these things, focus not on this is what I want to say, but what on instead, what can most serve the Lord? What can most help equip his people? That will that will help you. And that'll also help you to focus less on serving yourself and your interests and focus more on building the kingdom of God and making disciples. Dave, I love everything that you put there. And that's incredibly useful, not just to public speakers in the communication class, but to the church as a whole, by the way. One of the things I think is interesting, um, over the last 20 years, we've seen a decentralization in the power of what we would maybe call the major traditional media outlets, right? So there's been a dissemination of the influence of what we would maybe call the historic media giants, right? 30 years ago, um, if you were going to be interviewing someone, it was generally for a, a class that you'd record with a little tape recorder because it was an assignment you had to do. Now today, everyone's a content creator, right? The real question is, are you an effective content creator or are you ineffective? But likewise, in that, you've made it so clear, we're called to be advocates, ambassadors for Christ and the Christian worldview. So I think it's only important that we kind of flip the script a little bit here. You know, help my students as they're not only preparing to be public speakers, but really as they're using the platforms in which God has been so gracious to provide to us. Um, again, I see I see social media as a tool for great good if we use it correctly. Our voice as content creators as an incredibly beautiful thing if we do so in a way that glorifies the Lord. So let's just flip it to something real simple. When a person's interviewing someone, maybe for a podcast or for a paper, or for a YouTube video, what are just some general rules that you'd maybe encourage them to follow when they're conducting these types of interviews? Well, I think one thing just to establish uh, the 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 this point real quick, just so that everybody knows, yeah. I've done over five hundred plus interviews. So you're asking me, you're asking me to really say a lot here, but, um, you know, the, the, it's a, it's such an important thing because, um, you need to know who your guest is, you know, like, like when you're speaking, you need to know who your audience is. You need to know who your guest is. So ask yourself this question. Are they an expert in the topic you're discussing? Do you know enough to speak with a guest about the topic or not? Well, if not, then you you should let the guest lead the discussion and ask probing questions. Like even you you've you've done this really well, Dave. Even in this conversation, you oh did are you saying this? Um, those are the kind of things that if you can't speak to it, you can ask that the guest the question and and they can clarify and they can expand and um so so these kind of things provide even further clarity and value to those who listen and watch remember it's not about ultimately about you it's about the 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 person that's listening or watching the program or reading the interview uh focus on serving them mm-hmm. and so if you give the guest questions ahead of time it is okay to ask follow up questions still just make sure that you let the guests know that you'll be asking follow-up questions. If you'll be discussing the answers they give, let the guests know that beforehand. Guests want to know the expectations. Think about how you can serve the guests rather than them serving you and what you're going to get as a result. More followers to your blog, more followers to your show, more subscribes to your YouTube, etc. As a general rule, I'll ask a question and then I'll let the guests finish their answer. Only then I engage them with my own thoughts, if I do at all. Be respectful of the guests. Ask them, how much time do you have um, for this interview? If they have 30 minutes, they're not going to get to every single question. Be ready for that. But I've also had guests say, guess what? You could ask me 20, 30 questions in 30 minutes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to answer those. Okay, but, but don't expect that because that's a rare, very rare person. By the way, that was Vody Bauckham. Uh, I had I had like 20 plus questions for Vody Bauckham, and he answered every single one of them, and I still got to say a few things. Okay, but but asking that question before you record is respectful of the guest. 
Also, if you do interview guests, whether in written or in audio or video, write out a document that outlines how the interview will go. Let them know what they can expect. How much time is the whole thing going to take? What's the format? You asking questions and them responding. How big is your audience? Who is your audience? And the majority of interviews I have done where I've been on media, you know, in national media or podcasts, um, I, I have done. I'm going in totally blind. I have no idea. At, imagine going in, um, you're, you can't see the person. You're on a national radio broadcast. It's you got up at I'm on I'm out on the West Coast in Oregon. This is Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I'm not awake. I've had one cup of coffee and I'm supposed to be able to talk at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, uh, you know, so I'm up usually an hour early and I'm up and I'm supposed to talk coherently you know, after I've had like four hours of a thing, I'm like, Lord, help me, you know? Uh, so the point is, is doing this will help a lot of that, but it also, it helps to, um, you know, if, if I have zero idea who the audience is, how big the audience is, or any of the information, um, the guest is going to be confused. They're not going to know who they're speaking to, et cetera, and so forth. Um, so you can be helpful to your guests by letting them know these information. You want your guests to have a good experience. You want them to hopefully come back, right? Um, by doing what I'm describing here, you're focusing on your guests and serving them. You're allowing the guests to focus on uh, serving others who are going to read or, or listen or watch your interview with the guest. You're helping them to have a good experience. And um, what I'm saying is you're, you're focusing on serving the guest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that they can serve you and the audience that you have. Yeah. Amen. So many good things there, Dave. Um, let's think a little bit about some more direct application to some of the students in this class. Uh, not everyone wants to take, surprise, surprise, not everyone wants to take public speaking, right? Um, most students don't look forward to it, but it's going to impact each and every one of the classes that they take afterwards because how often are you going to have how often are you going to have to present and particularly even in this online setting how often are you going to have to do a video discussion now i mean the proliferation of video discussion is just crazy so it's really important that we know how to do this um what do you think are some of the impacts of public speaking and, and, and I should say, a student studying public speaking and their ability to speak to the media and even just know how to conduct an interview. How does public speaking, studying it, help in those things? Well, I think the first thing is you're going to have to get over your fear. Um, and that's going to require you to be honest. It might be very fearful for you to get up in, in front of a group of people. Maybe that's because you've been rejected in your life. And um, the Lord's going to use this to expose even that rejection and to address it in your life and the fear of getting before people, sharing your thoughts, and you're afraid of being ridiculed or treated like you're less than because, you know, you might not communicate well or you have a stutter or whatever. And just realize that all of us have issues. A everybody begin has to begin somewhere. You know, when I remember when I took public speaking out of high school, I was I was scared. I, I got scared and um, I had to take the class again. You know, um, I had to get over that, even though I had at that time, I'd, uh, as, a, as a 19 year old, I had been already public speaking for years. Um, yeah. I was still afraid to take the class because I was afraid to get up in front of the, 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 the as, as silly as it sounded, I was, I was still afraid to get in front of the class and give a talk on or a speech on something that I wasn't as familiar with because I was afraid of what other people would say. I understand that. That's why your professor is there. They're there to help you. Yes, they're going to grade you. Yes, some of the things that they're going to say are going to sting and they might hurt, but a good teacher is there to help you. They're there to walk alongside of you. You have a great uh, professor here who would love to talk with you and work through that. So just know that and and also any good professor will help you if you need that help. So that would be one, that would be how I start out here. But the other thing that I want to mainly camp on in this um, question is learning to speak well helps us to think well. Mm. What I mean is in order to be able to speak well be before others, we're going to have to think about what we have to say. Let's say you're giving a speech, you're 
probably going to give a speech in this class. You're going to have to prepare. You need to know your subject or have some idea of what you're going to say. If you don't prepare before the class or during the class, as, as is outlined you know, in your syllabus, um, you're not going to get a very good grade. And that is going to reflect badly on you when you get up to give a talk and you're going to get a bad grade. But here's how to deal with those fears and those anxiety that come from having to speak. Prepare well. Practice over and over again. Like I'll give an, a very practical example. I'll have my sermon and when I preach done very early um, in the week, and then I will take my notes and um, in my office, I have a stand. I will sit, I will stand in my office, I'll set a timer for an hour, and that's the amount of time that I have usually to preach. Um, when I go over that, I know I need to cut out things, I know that I need to prepare, um, and I'll do that, I'll practice usually four or five times when I go to record, um, and uh, an interview or something. I usually have most of my thoughts written out. That helps me to know, even if I say I forget where I'm at or something like that, or I'm recording, I have notes so that, yes, I can go off the notes, but I'll have notes that I can use so that I'm, you know, help, it helps me to stay uh, focused. That helps you to prepare well. So if you prepare well, you follow the instructions that your teacher gives you, that's going to help you to improve. Whether you get a good grade or not, don't make that the focus. Make the focus improving and growing in the craft that you have. What will end up happening is you're probably going to get a good grade. But mm -hmm. even if you speak before a lot of groups, before groups or people realize that public speaking is a journey, even the best public speakers have room to grow. Be humble. And don't take that feedback personally. It's hard to not take it personal. Now, I'll say this. Some people are going to be rude. They're going to be overly critical. If you were to sit and read some of the comments that I have comments monitored on, especially on YouTube, if you were to sit and to read those comments, you'd be shocked at how rude and overly critical people can be. But even there, you can listen. You can learn to what they're saying. It's a mature person who can think even the most rude and overly critical person for their thoughts. It's also let the, okay to let them know or even click delete and not address those comments. Um, but you should learn uh, to, to think about that, to critically evaluate, and then reject it. That's what I'm saying. Learn, learn from a wide variety of sources. Learn from new anchors, news anchors on how to engage in interviews if you interview people. It's okay to learn from a variety of sources on how to speak well, but realize at the end of the day, thinking well is critical to public speaking. Read the sermons of great preachers and listen to great preaching, not only from your, the, your local church pastor, but also others like John MacArthur, Steve Lawson, R.C. Sproul, to name a few. Uh, let them teach you what it means to speak well. R.C. Sproul was once asked, how long did it take him to prepare? He said one hour, which everyone was like, what in the world? And the person who asked this question was amazed. And then R.C. Sproul said, and 30 years. Well, that means that, guess what? Uh, R.C. Sproul was one of the greatest uh, theologians of, of our day. He's now with the Lord. And what this, what this uh, his answer shows us is that you and I, we, we got to keep growing in our craft. That means that we need to continue to read and study scripture so that we can write and we can speak well. I mentioned at the outset I've been doing this 23 years. That has been since August uh, 2nd of 2000, so that was pretty recent. I, I need to continue to read and study my Bible so that I can write articles and books well. I also need this so that I can speak on national radio, large podcasts, or even small ones, interview guests, and more. You see, speaking well requires thinking well about the Lord, His Word, and His people. And thinking well also enhances our ability to conduct an interview because in an interview, the guest may say something interesting. Um, you might not be able to prepare. They may not give you the questions. You, you'll want to note that interesting thing they say that stands out while also listening to the many things that the other person is saying. It's also okay to highlight it and to point it out after the person is done and then comment it. Then ask the guest, am I tracking with you there? Or did, I, did you have anything else to add? Or uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm following you. Do you think I'm following you? Or something like that. Um, that allows them to respond and, and to engage as well. And the last thing that I'll say is realize that the moment that you open your mouth and words come out, 
whether whether it's through your pen, through you know you're typing them on your computer, or they're you know you're you're talking to somebody, you can always say that that thing that that you wrote or that you set out out from your mouth. You can always say it better. Self reflection, getting feedback, can help you to evaluate where you need to grow. These are not opponents of humility. They're a vehicle to help you grow in humility, so you can display more of the fruits of the spirit. Man, Dave. Um, I'm so grateful that you've taken this time. I've got one more question for you. Uh, and this is maybe a, again just a little bit of a shift, you know, to some of the topics that we deal with more directly in the textbook. Um, what would you say is a primary difference or a distinct difference between um, talking with a, maybe a journalist reporter for a story? Uh, versus maybe a long-form interview on a podcast or YouTube video. And what are some of those similarities? Well, if you watch, if you watch, um, if you watch, for example, um, a segment or a news show every night, you'll you'll notice that the person generally has maybe two to three minutes. And if they have a panel, they maybe have 15, 20, 30 seconds. So mm-hmm. learning to give as short of an answer as you can and or make that answer as condensed as it can be is really, really important. Um, uh, one, one time I was on a national radio show and the guy commented, he's like, man, I can't believe that this is the first time that you've been on the show. And um, this was off air. He, he, we were in the middle of the segment. He said, and you gave such a short answer. You went right up to the moment in which I was about to, to cut you off. And you managed to fill that whole segment how did you do that? And I said a lot of years of answering people's questions as shortly and condensely as possible. That doesn't mean I can't give the longer answer, but have a short answer to you know the, the issue. And if you can't, Albert Einstein once said, if you can't explain something simply, then you probably don't know it. Um, <laughs> that has always kind of, it, 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 again, a reminder, uh, I got to work on, I could give the long answer, but I have a short answer um, as well. And this is what we see happening in the in you know the cable TV where they have um, the cable news or your nightly news. They have a few minutes to give an answer. And now in a long form interview, you might have three to five minutes. It, it depends on the show, or you might have longer. It just it just depends. If the the show is thirty minutes, you're going to have probably one to two minutes or three to four minutes to answer every question or less. Uh, sometimes the the host will cut you off. That's that's also why the host needs to be respectful. If the person is if the guest, um, like like if a guest does that, I'll just I'll just give them the mic because it's ultimately about them. It's about you know what they want to say, and and I'm just a facilitator at that point. Um, you know, but if you're if you know it just it just focusing on serving the guest and and um, ultimately the audience is more important than getting in that instance my thoughts across and realizing that I'm going to have another time you know down the road since it's my show to say whatever you know I, the lord from his word has to say to his people um and and so there's just knowing this this is like an exercise in wisdom um not just uh sharing what I want but focusing on the person like we've talked about and so those are some of the differences understanding the media the art like if you're writing an article who is the audience? Who are you trying to reach? The book. Who are you trying to reach? Um, and then when you do an interview, realize that that's who you're going to speak to in in your in your interviews. And so um, also people that are engaging. I'll just say this as well. You know, you're engaging an author. You're engaging a podcaster. Realize that person has put in a lot of time. So when you're commenting and you're giving them feedback, realize that they put in a lot of time. And so considering them as well is so important in your response. Maybe you didn't agree with them. You can say that. That's okay. But but thanking that person for the taking the time to produce the content that they did is so important. I think as Christians, if we did this a little more, we would have we we would have far more productive conversations. I know this kind of takes the question in a different way, but right. I think I think it also, you know, it kind of shows in 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 another way, it shows how practical, you know, the, these things are. But to go back to, to address the question, a news outlet on cable news is going to be fundamentally different than a YouTube. On YouTube, you might have a little more time to expand. On a new on a cable news network, you're going to have a short amount of time. On on national media, on 
on radio, you're going to have less time. On a podcast interview, you're going to have less time. So have the short answer, have a long answer, be humble, uh, receive feedback when it comes on whatever you know you're you're going to get, and realize that some people they're going to give you what I call unjust criticism. They're going to personally attack you. You you can just go ahead and learn from whatever they're saying. If it's if there's any truth to it, learn from it, and then reject it. If it's just criticism. Um, you want to really get some, as Proverbs 11 talks about, you want to get some godly counsel. You want to get some feedback and help um, and, 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 and incorporate those lessons. So um, this is, uh, these are really good questions, Dave. Well, it's such a pleasure to get to visit with you about them. I'm so grateful for the great background that you shared with my students. And I'm just grateful for every minute that you've given to them because I think that a distinction has been really clearly made by what you've said. And I want to briefly just hit it real quick as we conclude. We're all content creators. Those lines that used to be really thick that distinguished a professional journalist from the average person, they've become razor thin because God's given us or put us in a time and a day and age and in a society where we can be a more um, mass mediated voice than ever before. And so we have this great, incredible potential, this great responsibility to prepare. And we have this now uh, incredible tool that we can use. And because those lines of distinction have been trimmed so, so small, a Christian's responsibility to understand how the media works how the mass media at large impacts them on a daily basis, how they're influenced by it is incredible. And being an effective communicator, speaking to the public looks quite different than it did 30, 50, 100 years ago. However, some of those same principles are even timeless in the way that we can see them be applied. Does this make sense? Yeah, that's really good, brother. Really good. Dave, I want to thank you so much for coming to Spurgeon College and being willing to engage my students. And I'm so grateful for this. Um, I will let you go and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Sounds good, brother. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.